Hello, how's everybody doing? Uh, well, I mean, we've, we've already had a few big upsets, um, a few surprises here and there, but for the most part, um, nor normal things going on, but uh, exciting tennis that the Master Series events usually bring. And it's definitely one of the best attended seed-wise seed in the last, I don't know how many years they were saying, because besides Raonic not playing, you have almost every one of the top 30 or 40 uh, playing, which is good because it makes it even more competitive. You know, it's unfortunate to see people out with injuries and so on and so forth, but it looks like a really well decked out field. I mean, the draw didn't end up that way. It seems like one half of it got basically everybody, but still the fact is that almost everybody's playing, which is good. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, the the hard court swing. I mean, I know Roland Garros and the clay season is coming up pretty quickly. However, you've got a few hard court master series in a row, plus a few smaller ones right after before the clay swing. So I think it's it's a lot of people, you know, getting getting their their hard court legs back under them. A lot of people take off some time from Australian Open. So it, it is really nice that you do see a lot of the singles players play doubles especially in this tournament i mean i've seen it before but i mean this year particularly you have more of the top 10 people doing doubles than i've seen in a master series uh so it, it's really nice to see that too not to mention a lot of pairings that we don't normally see yeah uh here and and this is normal for indian wells that you see players team up with other top players that you don't normally see uh but this goes back to some of our discussions we've had previously about the fact that we need to get more doubles, more of the top guys playing doubles. This is one of the few tournaments that, that that's a, you know, a continued thing that they actually do do that, but it's, it's not often elsewhere. So maybe some other tournaments can bring something from this tournament to be able to get some of the top guys to start playing at those tournaments as well. Yeah, and, and it does uh, unfortunately relinquish her number one uh, seed position. She's going to lose it after not being able to do anything well. So 
obviously being number one isn't her priority anymore. I mean, just going after, you know, a couple more grand slams, that's basically it. Once you've been number one this long, it holds, you know, a little less weight as before. So I'm sure that played into the factor. And then being as old as she is, not that she's ancient or anything, but, you know, the body doesn't heal as quickly. So I'm sure she's bummed out. But while it's a boon for people now, you know, the thing is that she's going to come back healthy, you know, instead of before she would maybe push her way through it. Now that she's actually being smart enough saying, no, I can't do it, not ready yet, you know, people are going to get a little break right now, but it's not going to bode well for them later when she comes back healthy. Very true. Um, and for the most part with Serena, you know, we've said with a lot of the top players, Roger being one of them included, that age is eventually going to catch up. Maybe this is the time that Serena is starting to have the age catch up on her, uh, being that we've seen several injuries in the last year, year and a half. It's caused her problems and, and sidelined her from time to time. So let's hope that that's not the case and that uh, you know, it's just a little setback. Uh, she's usually pretty good with her schedule. She has one of the slimmer schedules on tour of most of the top players. So maybe, uh, maybe she just steps back here, gets ready for Miami, and then gets herself you know ready to go for the clay court season. But big positive for Kerber. We'll see if she can take advantage now. And maybe play a little, um, little freer tennis, knowing that she's not going to have to fight to get that number one back now. Yeah, hopefully it's nothing, you know, too detrimental. I mean, the good news is, is it's about the best time you can have it. Uh, an injury like this is a really big gap between Grand Slams. He's not, not saying he's not bad on clay, but of all the slams that he's got the lowest percentage of winning, it's going to be Roland Garros. So of any other time that, you know what, take as much time as you need without worrying, he's got basically until... You know, I'd say May before maybe he needs to get back even to play some tournaments, get some court time. Because more or less, it's going to be Wimbledon is what he's going to gear up for. I mean, if he's healthy and 100% before and he's going to get some matches under his belt for Roland Garros, okay, make a push for it. But uh, if I were him, I wouldn't, uh, you know, try too hard to push yourself back for a grand slam that he may have had a decent result before. But you don't want to re-injure yourself or make something worse and be out of Wimbledon what she, you know, was a finalist for. So I just hope he, you know, takes the time he needs and doesn't rush back. Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure as to what Raonich did at Indian Wells in Miami last year. The only thing he has to watch out for is if he loses a lot of points here and at Miami, if he had really successful runs at both places, then he's going to endanger himself going into the clay court season of dropping his rankings to the point where then he's in danger of starting to see the higher seeds even sooner when it comes to the French Open and even into Wimbledon uh, because we know he, he did pretty well going into Wimbledon last year. 
So, I mean, I agree. It's got to be, you've you got to be healthy. That's all there is to it. That's the number one priority. But he just has that little bit of, of you know, things to think about going into, um, you know, starting into the clay court season in an area of the season where he's not going to necessarily, rank, you know, get a lot of ranking points and be able to keep his ranking high. Being that he's at, I believe, number four right now in the world, you know, then he takes that chance of dropping to five or six, we'll say, and now all of a sudden now he's got to face one of the top guys, you know, maybe in the quarters instead of uh, in the semis or in the final. So um, let's just hope that this is a small setback and that, that he'll be good going forward. Well, the good news is that he made, uh, you know, in Miami he made the quarters, but he did make the finals and lost to Djokovic last year in Indy okay, Wells, so, so he's going to lose. So there we go. He's already lost uh, 600 points. Six, yeah, 600, 700 points. So that's a big loss right there. And then, in, you know, Miami, he didn't have quite as much. But the fact is, I mean, he's losing points in both places now. Um, so we'll we'll see. Uh, he's going to have to probably you know, scratch and claw a little bit of wins here in the clay court season to make sure that the ranking's still there. But we know Raonic's game and, and the level that he's playing at as long as he's healthy, then you know he's got a shot to to make runs. As Alexander Zverev as well. Um, uh, terrible luck for the people in that quarter. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's one of the things about, about the draws. This doesn't, you know, rarely happen, but it can, and, and it has. I, and like you said, it's not just the big seeds. You know, that's one of the things that, that it's scary as, as people get injured and they're out for a period of time and then they come back playing well above their seed, like Del Potro. You know, he's seeded 31, but we've seen him beat pretty much the top five players last year. You know, Zverev's 18th seed, you know, he's playing a lot better than that. And then you've got people who are dangerous that aren't even seeded. I mean, you know, play, people like Kevin Anderson, you know, who's a big server. You've got Kyrgios, who is higher seeded too. But, like, Djokovic is going to face Kyle Edmund. Do I think he's going to beat him? No, but Kyle Edmund's not some qualifier you've never heard before either so even for the second round uh opponents that these people are they're playing they're not playing wild cards and and people i've never heard of you're getting some really tough matches um and then besides the quarter of death you know above them it's not as bad nishikori's quarter because you've got him and you've got um 
Silic is a top two seeds, but Luca Pui is playing above his uh his seed. Dimitrov, you know, is playing above his seed. He's there. You've got Query, who beat at the most impressive run at a five hundred series event I've seen in my life. You know, he beat four or five top ten people to win that title. So you got a red hot guy in there too. So besides the quarter of death, it's also like the best side of a draw I've seen too, because the top half only had Murray, basically. And Stan, that's about the only two notable people um, up there. So it's it's not just a quarter. I'd say I was surprised. I I didn't realize uh, until I saw exactly who else was there that it's basically one side is loaded. Absolutely, one side's loaded. Uh, the <laughs> quarter of death says it all. And the only thing that these players in the bottom half that are in this section and even in the bottom half have to say is. They should be battle-tested by the time they get to the final. Um, and being that Murray is gone at this point, that that makes a, a big swing to that side, whoever does make it out being a favorite. Now, again, we can't discredit you know Stan on top there. Uh, Dominic Team's up top. David Gofan is up top. We've seen those two have really, really big seasons so far as far as uh, results. We know what they can do. Uh, you have a dangerous guy like Misha Zverev, who we've seen play well above his level right now um you've got some big hitters on top as well but for the most part the bottom half is is completely stacked top to bottom even seated player non-seated players uh that are in that section are are you know still top top class guys um for for what the ranking is they're they're definitely better than what their ranking showing but um overall it, it's going to be a, a very difficult section but Let's be honest, we want to see something like this. This oh, is exciting. exciting. Yeah, exactly. It's going to, you know, say you can't look at the draw any longer and say, oh, well, that guy's going to make it through. No, we can't do that now because this section, literally, there's there's a more than a handful of guys that could, with something falling the right way, completely make it out of this section. And it makes the, the first, second, third round watchable, too. I oh, mean, absolutely. The level of play will be much higher than normal. Because years ago, when it was the top four, you basically didn't have to turn the TV on until it got to the quarters before you'd see a matchup between the high seeds. That's you'd true. You'd have an upset here or there. But here, you know, you've got, you know, Del Potro, like, like the Edmund versus Djokovic, is a worthy match to watch. And even after that... You know, we're talking to the third round matches of, you know, Del Potro and Djokovic, Fredasco and Nadal, you know, Federer, you know, may play Kevin Anderson, is a big guy too. So, I mean, you've got exciting matches earlier in the draw because of what's going on. I don't have, I hope this happens every uh, tournament because as much as I, I like this exciting, dangerous game we're playing with having everybody on one side, um, I, I don't want to see that every time because it does uh, punish the, the higher seeds, um, basically now, <laughs> you don't feel like being the number two seed got you an easy draw right now. It doesn't matter, you know, now it's like what half of them. I mean, you know, Murray's basically the only guy that lucked out in this entire thing. Yeah, but Murray and lost. Then, and then Murray so, lost. So, uh, yeah. That to show you anything can happen. But uh, one other thing I wanted to add, Mike, was just, just the simple fact that, you know, we've all talked about for a long time that we always hate the fact that the top guys always have cakewalk draws right out of the gate all the time. Um, you know, Grand Slam after Grand Slam, we say, oh, this this seed, like, they don't play anybody until the second week. This is something that's exciting on that other hand, which which I'm truly enjoying the fact that, you know, we're not going to see these kind of things at this point. You know what I mean? 
So, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, and, and there's a lot to be said for, you know, Vasek uh, that some people, you know, remember from a couple of years ago and that before he got injured, him and Jack Sock were doing really well uh, in doubles. A couple of slams, I believe. Uh, they got a couple of slams, actually. They were known as Pop Sock, which was pretty funny. Um, but that's where a lot of that comes from, too. It wasn't just a guy who, you know, saw Misha beat you know, Murray in the Australian Open by serving volley and was like, let me try that. The dude who won Grand Slams doubles, you know, so we know, you know, he's really good at it. Now, granted, he hadn't really played that much last year or at all. I don't really remember. So, 
you know, he's probably rusty at, at trying that tactic. However, you're looking at someone, two people that beat Murray are people who play doubles regularly or have played doubles and have had success. So I don't know if that's going to be the blueprint for everybody to try to do unless they can do it well. But in these two cases, they were people who can do it, but also can back up on the, the, the not the volley, but the uh, the baseline side. I mean, Vasek is going to be you know, better at it than, than Misha was, is probably from the baseline. Um, but it's still the thing that they can do. You can't just serve and volley um, and you can't rally at the baseline because the top guys will punish you. You got to at least be able to hold your own to get into that net. Um, and that's what Vasek had. That forehand, you know, was doing a lot of damage and setting him up to come into net on a lot of the points. And you're right, he flubbed them. But it's something that, you know, it, it might be, you know, that weakness Murray has against serving volley right now. But I don't expect it to be something that's going to last forever. You know, it's probably something he's going to practice against more because we you don't see it very often. I mean, Dustin Brown does it here and there. We know uh, Misha does it. And then Vasek did it now, but that's not Vasek's normal uh, singles um, tactic anyway. So, I mean, we'll see what's coming. It'd be really exciting if more people did it. It does make the game more exciting instead of just standing there and watching. It's like, like uh, what's that? The game with the Pong. Pong. Yeah, this is like watching Pong half the time. Fast-paced Pong. Yeah, fast-paced Pong. That's all rallies have been for a while. So it does make it a little more exciting. Yeah, and for me, I mean, there's a couple of things that, that – you know, come out with this. Uh, the attacking style that they both played against Murray probably caught him off guard uh, just because of the fact that no one sees this. Uh, two, both of them executed well. Now, again, as we said, possibly, yeah, he missed some shots here and there. But the fact is, coming in and attacking, like, like you said, the rate at which even the top guys are going to make all the passing shots is, is still not as high as you need it to be to be successful. Uh, and the third thing that I bring up on this is uh, what we've talked about before. Is it just a case that guys are going out and just playing an attacking style because they're not afraid of the top seeds anymore? Is it just a product that guys are going out there and maybe doing an alternative way of trying to win, but because they have that belief that they can win now, legitimately have the belief that they can win now, it's it's coming to fruition. Guys are able to do things that they wouldn't normally do because that belief's there. I mean, a lot of the great champions have always said you have to have the belief of being able to win to win. So is it that the other guys, not the top guys, but the lower-ranked guys are saying, I can I can totally win this, and I'm going to try something, and I think it's going to work. And that true inner belief that they then truly believe they can win is giving them and pushing them over that that hump, per se. I think so. I think that's what Query did last. Uh, yeah. Last tournament. Yeah. I mean, you know? we're seeing more and more guys this early in the year, winning tournaments, beating top players. That this doesn't normally happen. Now, again, we've seen some of these. Some of the top guys have been struggling a little bit. So we could say, oh, well, you know, we're having some injuries. People are having some off tournaments. They're not playing at their best. Uh, is it just a product of that? I disagree. I think that it's it's these top guys are pushing them harder and being a combination of the two that, that it's just happening. I mean...
I think the, the biggest argument in this match, um, although on paper it is a big shock, especially with Sangha's uh, success this season, Fonini, when he is engaged, is a horrible style match for Sangha. Only because Fonini is an athletic guy, he can get a lot of balls back, and hits the ball very flat. So when he's on, he's able to do damage against a guy like Sangha. Now also, we have to remember, Sangha plays a high-risk game. So if he's playing a guy that's able to continuously keep keep the ball in play and make Sangha go for more and more and more, this is a danger match for him where if the errors start flying, Fonini's going to just steamroll at that point. And that's what he ended up uh, doing late in that third set is just basically closing the door on him. We know what Fonini can do. We know he has the ability, uh, as we've said with a lot of guys, has the ability to be a you know a, a consistent top 15, top 20 player. But his head's not always in it. But in this case, he stuck with it. He was engaged. Uh, he was in the match from beginning to end. Uh, and Sangha really, if you think about it, had to claw his way in the second set just to force a third set. So, I, I mean, on paper, again, an upset. It really is, especially the way Sangha's been playing. But stylistically, which is something that I've always looked at, it's a bad matchup for Sangha when Fonini is engaged, and he obviously was at this point. Yeah, and and it was it was a good it was a good match. Uh, stat wise, they definitely it was really close. Actually, a lot of their stats were almost identical. I mean, the biggest part uh, to Fonini's winning was the first serve uh, points won. Uh, he had a higher percentage, almost eighty percent. Uh, that he went on his first serve points, where his uh, Songa only had 72. So Fognini was returning the first serve um, better than than Songa was, and that ultimately is the biggest difference between them. I mean, Songa had more breaks than Fognini and still lost. So it goes to show you that it, it was a good match, um, just Fognini returned better. I mean, uh, Fognini only won two more points in the entire match than Songa. It came down to, to two points overall, but it was just he was returning better than Songa was. And I think, like you said, he hits really flat, and that's not something Songa usually you know plays against, and I don't think that's why he won as many points. So it was it was a really good match overall. But Fognini, we've seen him. We've seen him beat Nadal a couple of times in like a, a month span even. You know, he can get kind of hot, and then he goes cold as well. So... You know, we'll see what kind of Fognini shows up in his uh, in his next match. I mean, I don't think he's going to have to play anybody uh, really high-seeded. He's got Cuevas next, and then after that even, he's going to, you know, at most play Goffin. So there's a chance uh, for Fognini to make a little bit of a, a run and bring his ranking back up because he is normally a better player than his ranking is. Uh, it's just he gets cold for so long that he loses enough points that, you know, he ends up being really low, like down below 50.
Well, I know a lot of guys have, have likened Fritz's game to, um, not exactly the same, but, but similar to a, like a, a Pete Sampras style. Obviously, he builds everything off of his serve being comparison as being an American. Um, we've seen little flashes from, from him from time to time. We see that the ability is there. I think the biggest thing for Fritz, um, just not quite there in, in between the years yet. I mean, he's he's still really young. I don't think that he's maybe necessarily even grown yet uh, physically into the player that he needs to be, uh, which is, I think, why sometimes he gets pushed around by some of the bigger players, uh, and that causes him to uh, to have issues with that. I mean, Fr- Fritz is a big guy. He's 6'4", um, but, but the thing is his frame is still very thin as far as um, – you know, it's, it, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so basically with him being as young as he is, he needs to just be physically a little bit stronger, mentally a little stronger. And I think that, you know, we'll start seeing things out of him more. Uh, but we've seen the flashes. Uh, I definitely think that there's a possibility. And I know we've said this about many American players before. Is he the next guy to finally, you know, break through and, and, and be a big impact uh, on the tour throughout the whole year? But um, he, he has the ability. He could possibly, uh, but we'll just have to see. I just think we have to probably give him another year or two at least. And I don't, I don't know when Fish started uh, coaching him because I remember uh, – I did hear about that, else. right? So right. that's something that could be uh, – I think if it was recently, um, that could be something that will pay off you know, this year. Because uh, you know Marty, you know, got up to eighth, I think, in the world at one point. Was you know, the number one was American, yeah, number one American in eighth. So I mean, that's a good person to have. So I think that's maybe something a little more recent, and uh, uh, that should help him. You know, this year hopefully do it a little bit better because it, it, it's nice to see the most amount of Americans we can uh, get um, <laughs> to be in the top one hundred, just because we don't have. That Andy top. Roddick anymore. I mean, we see Isner get good for a little bit, and then he'll fall off. I mean, Query's on fire right now. I really hope he can keep it up and get back into the top ten. But I think you know, for us to have success at the Grand Slam level again, we need to you know coach up our Americans as best as we can, and, and hope someone just finds you know the right uh, everything you know the will, the the mind, and the body, and we actually have someone who can compete in the finals of a Grand Slam again. Yeah, and I think the big impact, like you said, if we can start getting some of the the great American players, like Marty Fish, to start coaching some of these young guys. I mean, we've seen that with the top players, them them reaching deep into the history there to get some of the best players ever, uh, just to up their level a little bit. Why Why can't some of these lower players do the same thing?
Yeah, and uh, I agree with you on Keys. Uh, we know that she's a very hot and cold player. I don't necessarily believe for her rust is a factor. Uh, she has the type of game where it, it's pretty much 1-2. Uh, it's difficult to have a lot of rust when you play a 1-2 style of game. Uh, of course she could, of course. She, she definitely could be rusty. We will probably find out in the next round here. She plays a player in Naomi Osaka who's a young player, but yet has, has had some very big wins already in her career, in her very young career. And she has beat Key several times before. Uh, if she gets through that, then, then of course we could see a really good match between her and Wozniacki, which I think would be an amazing match to see. But as far as the Americans go, um, as you said, Venus dug out of a huge hole uh, against a former world number one, which was, was an amazing feat. But as, as, as a whole, the American women have struggled. And we've seen the American women struggle at some of the American tournaments other than the U.S. Open. We've seen that before. So it's not necessarily a surprise to me. I, I sometimes feel they get a little complacent when they're in the home country uh, at times. Uh, and I think that's just a coaching thing. I honestly do. Uh, I know that a lot of the women that we have coming up are young. So that could play a factor in things. But for the most part, I, I just think it's a, a factor of uh, being comfortable at home. You maybe don't have that edge while you're at, you know, on your own territory and things like that. But um, I, I think that just being young, I mean, for the most part, being young, maybe not having quite the, the coaching up that they maybe need to play at home. You'd think that they would play better at home, uh, you know, in the United States. But for the most part, with the exception of the U.S. Open, I've always felt like the American women have struggled when it comes to playing in the United States. Yeah, I mean, we've seen from, from Pliskova what she did at the U.S. Open. Uh, she has no fear on court. She could be down probably 5-0 in the third and still believe that she has a chance. Uh, she's a big hitter, huge serve, probably, you know, the top echelon of serves right now. Really big forehand. She's good at net. She's played a lot of doubles before. It, she has all of the tools. Uh, Puig is a very hot and cold player. We saw her get hot at the Olympics. Uh, we've seen her be a little bit hot and cold since then this year. Um, so 
it's surprising that she got down that far, but I wouldn't necessarily say the comeback was as uh, surprising. I'm still, even with the gold medal in tow, don't don't see Puig as a major factor yet um, when it comes to the bigger tournaments. So uh, good recovery from Pliskova and definitely uh, something she can build upon this tournament. Uh, I think she's the type of player that can turn a situation like that into a major positive and then start steamrolling people afterwards. So we'll see in the next round uh, how she does with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and one more thing. Uh, for the most part, we've got to have everybody keep an eye out. Um, a possible uh, winner of the tournament coming up in this uh, round. We've got Svitolina and Gavrilova, two of the up-and-coming stars we talked about earlier in the season, playing each other in the third round today. Um, I, I actually think the winner of that match is going to take the tournament. Going, going a little bit of a, a dark horse pick there. We'll see. We'll see where we go from there. I'm not really sure who I'd pick to win the women's side because uh, I haven't honestly been paying attention to that as much uh, lately just because I've been really busy. But at least for the men's side, um, I mean, at this point, <laughs> this point, I could probably guess anybody and they'd have a chance to win it. So it's a little uh, more of a struggle. Thankfully, uh, Murray lost before I'm making my prediction, which helps out a little bit. I'll be at least a little more accurate. But I think, um, I think Stan is going to make the final. I think Stan has got uh, as good of a chance, if not better, than anybody else for right now. You know, he's a known player to, you know, takes a while into a draw. If he makes it deep into uh, a tournament, you know, he gets the, the better, the more he plays, the better he gets. So I think that, um, honestly, I think Stan is going to win it as of right now. I just think it's going to be a lot of, of, you know, battles, that bottom half, that quarter of death, um, it, it, it's different when you, you have a couple of easy rounds, not that anybody's easy, but, you know, a couple of easy rounds playing qualifiers and other people. I just think it's going to be too much for a Roger, for Nadal, um, or Djokovic to get through that all unscathed and then make it to the final, um, against somebody from the top half who hasn't had, uh, nearly as, as bad of a draw. You know, does is going to be much better uh, physically and mentally than anybody who gets through that bottom quarter. And so I think Stan is going to win it. I think he'll either play. Um, I think he'll either play Nadal, or I think that um, I don't think Djokovic is going to survive to play Nadal. So I, I'm pretty sure that my pick is going to be uh, Zverev is going to get through and play Nadal for a spot in the final. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be Stan versus either Nadal or uh, uh, Zverev. Going out on a limb a little bit there. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, 
I I'm uh, I'm with you. I think Stan is going to make the final out of the top half. Uh, out of the bottom half, um, I'm really going to go out on a limb. None of the top guys are going to make it out of the bottom. I'm actually going to take uh, Grigor Dimitrov to make the final out of the bottom half. He's in the top section. He's playing well. He only has two losses all season. He's you know we've been waiting for him to you know to make a run. That's true. We finally saw a good performance in Australia. Uh, he's not in that quarter in the bottom, but he's in the top half of the bottom section. Marin Cilic being the top seed there, I think he can get through that. I think he can get through Jack Sock. I think that Dimitrov will make the final against Stan, and um, I actually I'm I'm just gonna stay with it. Grigor Dimitrov will make it out of the bottom and win the tournament against Stan in the final. Okay. I can see that's possible. I know I know we're all stepping out on a limb here, but uh, I just think well, that now. this quarter of death, I don't think any of the top guys will get out of it, as you said, unscathed, to the point where they're not going to have any easy matches, and they're all going to be tired when it comes to the back half of this tournament, because I don't think any of them are going to have any easy matches, uh, we should say. Um, on the top, on the top section, um, I, um, if Stan doesn't make it out of the top half, I actually think David Gofan is playing the best on the top half of anybody else. Um, I mean, I mean, I could say, uh, Dominic team as well, but Gofan has had teams number in the last couple times that they've played. So if Stan doesn't make it out of the top, I'm going to say Gofan and in the, in the bottom half, I'm going to say Del Potro at the bottom. Um, I want to say Del Potro as a sentimental favorite to me. Like, I, I really root for him. Uh, but I just feel like he has too much of a liability right now in his game to go through that many of the top guys. Can it be done? Yes. If he's hot, he can just blow through people like nothing. Um, but I on, on the bottom half... Um, hmm. I, I'll go with another young guy. Um, I'll go with Nick Kyrgios as a as a uh, a dark horse out of the bottom. Um, I mean he's he's gonna have to have a little bit of luck I think to get out of the bottom, but I I like the fact for him that Zverev will be his first big seed that he'll face. Um, they have very similar styles of play as far as you know a lot of firepower, and I feel like you know Djokovic and, and Del Potro are gonna have to face off Nadal and Federer. We'll have to face each other, and I feel like there's a possibility that either Karras or Zverev could sneak out of that whole area with those guys playing each other already and, and maybe being wore down a little bit. Uh, well, as I said a few minutes ago, I think that the winner um, of, of the Kazakina and Svitolina match is going to win the tournament. Um I mean, there's a lot of other people, obviously, that could. Pliskova. Pliskova's on the top section. Uh, we saw her eke out a win. Um, Muguruza's in the top section. She's, you know, obviously dangerous. Uh, but in the bottom section, uh, I will actually go with, uh, yeah, Kerber. I think that she, uh, with, with Serena not being in the tournament, she knows she doesn't have to play that well. Pressure's off. I feel like uh, with that, Kerber might be able to right the ship a little bit, make a run here. So um, I'll actually pick a uh, Svitolina Kerber final, and I'll actually take Svitolina to win it. 
<laughs> You've already lost before you started. This is true. Probably that. I mean, of everybody besides Stan, you know, even including, I'm pretty sure, Raonic, he's the only person who didn't have an injury of some sort or time off um, really last year because he was pretty motivated to get number one because he saw Djokovic stumble and, you know, he knew there was a shot and he took it and he made it. So you look at he really didn't have an off season from what you normally did he won the year-end finals you know and, and then you have you know he, he continued to, to practice he didn't have as much time off you know his results are not terrible you know i i know he lost his verb in australian open and that's you know a really bad loss um but the loss to djokovic in qatar i mean we're talking to djokovic who started to get hot again now granted he's at his end stumbles but he came storming back, made the finals of the U.S. Open, you know, but just lost the number one ranking to Murray in the final. So that loss I don't feel as bad about because it was a three-set. You know, he wasn't blown out of the water. Uh, Zverev, that, you know, like we've seen happen right now for the second time in a row, uh, was playing a certain volleyer. I think it ha does have a lot to do with being probably a little burnt out. Um, you know, after the Australian Open, he did have, you know, that win in, in Dubai. And, yeah, don't be wrong, he didn't have to play anybody in the top ten, but he did play, you know, Luca Pui um, after Cole Schreiber and beat him pretty easily. And then he took out Verdasco in the finals. And Verdasco has been playing a lot better this year than before. So I'd say it's a little disappointing. Um, but we've got to see what he is going to do um, for the rest of uh I'd say the hard court swing and into the clay before really uh, take anything bad from it. I mean, because everybody's been having terrible besides Federer, 
you know, everybody's been having a pretty terrible year in the top, you know, top five. Um, Nadal made some finals, but has lost in some finals. And then you've got uh, Djokovic and, and Murray both losing in the Australian Open early. So it's one of those things that it, it's just uh, a little bit of an oddity. But I wouldn't think it's too bad quite yet. Yeah, and I mean, for me, is is it just a case because he hasn't won a, you know, a large title this early in the season? I mean, I guess Dubai kind of is. Uh, I mean, it's a 500, but uh, you know, a lot of people looked at that as a as a tournament that's usually you know fairly well uh, stacked. Now, it necessarily wasn't this year, but for the most part, um, we saw him struggle. He's always struggled in Indian Wells. Uh, let's be honest, Murray has never played his best in Indian Wells. That's a place he's always struggled. Uh, he made two. You know, he's made a final. He lost Djokovic. Again, I mean, can we really say that that's a bad loss? No, we really can't. He, you know, Djokovic is still Djokovic. No, and and I don't mean to butt in, but no, I was no. looking it up. We look at last year. Murray got number one, had a fantastic second half of the year. You look back at the beginning of last year. He he made it to the finals, but he still lost to Djokovic in three sets, handily, know, handily, and then he lost in a round of thirty-two at both Indian Wells and Miami, and he lost to Federico Del Bonis in Indian Wells. Okay, now you lost to Grigor in Miami, which isn't as bad of a loss, but you're still to looking at two round of 32 losses um, at, at back-to-back Master Series. Then he loses in the semis to Nadal and Monte Carlo, um, and then loses to Djokovic in Madrid. So he was on a big losing streak until he beat Djokovic in Rome um, for you know his first – that was his first title of the year that wasn't until May. nearly how yeah nearly so, halfway of the year um you know he, he had some good losses but i would say until we get to about the same i wouldn't be too afraid because even last year he just had you know a terrible first half of the year and he could be one of those guys that he's he could turn into a second half man mm-hmm. and i agree with you mike i i think that it is a case that it's it's a little carryover from last year look his schedule last year he played a lot of matches last year. He got deep into most of the tournaments that he played, if not all the tournaments that he played, you know, last year. Got to the finals of the Olympics. That's a and won. That is another big tournament that's not normally on the schedule. So you figure another, you know, week or two weeks there, um, that you know he beat some very established players um, at at the Olympics and a resurging Del Potro at that point too. So, I mean, if we look at it, he played a lot of tournaments. He got to the back half of almost all of them in the second half of the season. It's a lot, And if you're not used to that, I mean, we've seen a lot of the younger guys in the last two years have like a drop-off because they're not used to getting to the back half of those tournaments and they're wearing out. And then they're struggling. Now, we shouldn't say that with Murray because of the fact that it's Murray. He's one of the top guys. We know that he's as fit as anybody on tour. So that shouldn't necessarily be an issue, but when you're not used to doing that and you put a lot of miles on, you, you can't say that the next season, although he may not have an apparent injury, you know, the wear and tear has got to happen, you know, throughout the year. So looking at that way, I, I think it's a carryover from last year. Again, you know, as Eric said, and we said before, he struggles early in the season normally. I mean... Other than the Australian Open, of course. I mean, he lost early this year, but most seasons, 
you know, he comes out and he plays well in Australia. He's made several finals and um, usually is, is good there. But after that, he usually has a little bit of a lull until we get into the uh, Master Series clay court events. So, yeah, a little cause for concern for him. But I think for him at this point, nobody's chomping at his heels yet either. So at this point, there's no one right behind him saying, look, you better get moving or, you know, you're going to lose the ranking. I mean, Djokovic is still close, but, you know, Djokovic is going to have to do a lot because he hasn't done that much early this year. Uh, I mean, Murray's still got, you know, a little over a 2,000 point gap right now. Um, and Djokovic uh, won Indian Wells last year. So if he doesn't have a good showing here, you know, he's going to drop off a lot more. And then Murray's going to even have a bigger gap um, going into, you know, the clay court season and well, into Miami, Miami next week. Yeah. Because um, he so lost I, in round 32 twice in a row. So Murray's not right. defending anything. Yeah. So Murray Murray's not losing anything here. So, I mean, for him. Even if Djokovic wins the tournament, he's not in any wor- he's not in any worry not at all. Anything. So, I mean, for Murray at this point, this is something we've seen out of him before. Uh, I don't think a cause for concern. In fact, for him, it's probably a good thing that he loses a little early. He's not losing any ranking points here. Uh, he'll go to Miami refreshed. He'll have you know a few extra days off and you know, well, actually a full week really off before he starts up in Miami. So. Cause for concern, maybe a little, but I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. We've seen this from him many years before. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> 